Are you ready for your customers to know, like, and trust you? Well, email marketing is by far the most effective way of achieving that. And I've partnered with Aweber to give you a completely free 90-day trial. So get started today at excellence-expected.com forward slash Aweber and use the code EXEX. Hey, hey guys, Mark here from Excellence Expected. Welcome to session one of the Straight Talking Guide to launching your first product. Now, during this guide, from start to finish, we are going to take you from ideation to the launch of your very first MVP, your minimum viable product. How can you take this idea that you have and move it straight through to launch? Whether that's a tech startup, an information product under your own personal brand, or even a bricks and mortar business, these principles will work regardless. And that is what we're here to do, get you from idea to launch. Now, as you heard in the trailer in episode 00, this is part of a complete six-part guide. So make sure that you've got all the sessions, make sure that you've been in iTunes, make sure that you've been to the website and you've got everything to do with this guide because this is completely boxed off. You take this guide off the shelf and it will get you from idea to launch. To get the most of it, you need all of it. And whilst you're over at excellence-expected.com, don't forget that you can also get two bonus episodes. So this is a six-part guide. But actually, over at excellence-expected.com, there are two extra episodes ready and waiting for you. Number one, we've got the secret growth hacks that will take your product to the next level. Now, we've been talking to some of the world's finest founders, literally taken their products from nothing through to Series A funding, Series B, Series C, and beyond, or created amazing info products or courses or podcasts, anything online, and have made them fantastically successful. So they are secret growth hacks that you're not going to hear anywhere else. And second, we've got a session on what to do if the MVP or the launch that you've put together throughout this guide doesn't quite go as planned. How can you stay agile? How do you respond? What do you do next? So two secret bonus sessions ready and waiting for you at excellence-expected.com, along with a pile of specific and bespoke resources that we've put together just for this guide. Things that you're not going to find anywhere else. Things that are going to help you in your business, in your product, get from idea to launch. Check it out, guys. Excellence-expected. Okay, so let's dig in to session one. I've got a real treat for you. Strap in, here we go. My co-host today is someone that I've known for a couple of years and someone that I've been aware of for a lot longer than that. Someone who I've met in person a number of times and someone who I really, really respect in business for so many reasons that I don't have time to go through right now. And we spoke at length at one of his last events, actually, about the lifestyle side of business. So there is no one better to talk about this than Mr. Chris Ducker. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Mark. How about yourself? Before we dive in, what are you working on, man? What have you got coming up? What's going on in the world of Mr. Ducker? Man, right now it's all about um, Youpreneur 2.0. You know, uh, you know the, the, we launched Youpreneur as a, as a you know business community last September. And uh, we've done great in our first kind of nine months or so of, of, of being in business with that. 
A um, lot of lot of really good opportunities come from it in terms of like working with new people that I've never worked before with. Um, you know, teaming up with the right people for the right things. Uh, we've uh, you know been able to create three hundred and fifty plus pretty much raving members out of it, of which you are one of them, obviously. Um, and uh, generally, just we're, we're now kind of in the process of relaunching. We're going with Upano two getting real serious on the marketing side of things. We're rebuilding all our funnels, reshooting all our video, rebuilding the entire platform, and uh, just focusing a lot more on the community and the social element of that community, as well as just obviously delivering the content and the training and all the rest of it as well. So yeah, that is it. That's the focus right there. That's 100% what I'm working on right now and probably will be like that through to the end of the year. That's sweet. I remember when Youpreneur actually first launched, you know, you were really committed to this. You said this is the next decade yep. of your life, which is mm -hmm. fantastic to see that that's, that's coming to fruition. And the real cool thing about that is it's very obvious that you know how to build product. And I, I kind of want to rewind a little bit because what I've tried to do with this this guide, with this, this sort of version of Excellence Expected is to make sure that the people that we talk to, the, the co-hosts that we bring on, have actually lived through the topic that we're talking about. And you know, one of the stories that you tell is is this whole, you know, you had a really sort of solid burnout, didn't you, a few years ago. Walk, walk us through that. What led to that and what was the impact? Yeah, so this is back in 2009. And, uh, you know, we'd been about, how many years we've been in business? Uh, coming up on five years in business with my call center uh, facility, which I still own and operate here, 450 employees now. At that point, we had about 130 or so. Uh, we were already doing one point something million a year in revenue. Um, but I was, man, I was, <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about here. I was really that, that quintessential micromanaging pain in the butt a type entrepreneur boss. And I was doing 15, 16 hour days, pretty much six days a week. Um, and yeah, at the end of 2009, I, I eventually burned out. I mean, it was inevitable. It was bound to happen. And one morning, I literally couldn't get out of bed. Like I, my body had given up on me. It took, it took uh, a good couple of hours to kind of muster up the energy. And, you know, my wife took me down to the doctor. We did a full physical uh, full blood work, the whole kit and caboodle. And I was basically diagnosed at exactly the same time with uh, acute exhaustion and acute depression. Fun times. Excellent. And so, you know, so on the outside, and this is, this is entrepreneur one-on-one, man. We're all like this, right? And, and, and on the outside, everything was great. Everybody thought I was, you know, successful. I was running a successful business. Everything's going well, but on the inside, obviously, it was a whole different ball game. And it, and it really, honestly, it took me, it took me burning out like that to 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 sit back and say, this is wrong. Like you're not running your business. Your business has started to run you, and this is not the lifestyle that you wanted when you went into business for yourself. Sure, you're making a lot of money and all the rest of it, but. This is not what you wanted from a lifestyle perspective. So that's when, you know, 2010, I put that virtual CEO goal in place and, uh, you know, removed myself from the business pretty much 100% by the end of 2010. But it was horrible. I mean, we're talking like hospital time, antidepressants, uh, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, man. It wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. It really wasn't. Well, I mean, that is such a, I was going to say that's an extreme case of it, but, you know, the, the, the more people that I talk to, and the more people that I'm around who are in business and 
myself as well. You know, those 15, 16 hour days, they are the thing that are seen as being kind of a badge of glory. One of the things that frustrates me is kind of this whole, especially in the tech startup scene, you know, we've sort of been around that quite a lot and especially people that are developing a tech product. There's like this badge of glory in sleeping under your desk and looking like crap and really getting to the point where burnout's almost inevitable. And it's almost seen as if you don't get to that point, then you obviously don't care enough about your business. This is it, which- man. This this is exactly what it is. You know, the, the society has led us to believe that the definition of success is all those things. Um, and it's truly not. And by the way, that in itself is not an extreme case. That's a normal case of burnout right there, right? Exhaustion, dehydration, living on coffee, not sleeping enough. Blah, blah. That's normal burnout 101. It became extreme two years later. And this is the effects of burnout. It, it, it doesn't finish when you stop the burnout and you get over it. You can have knock-on effects. And several people have these issues from a health perspective, particularly, although your lifestyle might have changed in terms of the numbers of hours you're working. And now that you've built a nice team around you, you can spend more time doing what you should be doing as a business owner. That aspect of the lifestyle flips and changes, and that's great. But unfortunately, the knock-on effects from a health perspective, can be felt years later. And because I'd been sitting in my chair 16 hours a day for four years plus building that business, I had done irreversible damage to my lower back that I had no idea about. And in May 2012, I completely ruptured my L5S1 disc in my lower back. And I had to have a six-hour invasive spine procedure to fix it. I had an L5-S1 spinal fusion. And for anybody listening to this, you Google that, you see what that that procedure looks like, it ain't pretty. A six-hour surgery on my spine to fix a problem that had come about because I'd been working myself literally into the floor, right? So I now, I mean, yes, for this interview, I'm sitting down, but this is actually... Probably only the second time I've sat down for longer than 15 minutes all day, and I've been working since 10 a.m. today. We're now recording this at 4.30 my time. So it just goes to show you that I've now I've changed. Dude, I mean, you got to learn, right? I've changed everything. You know, I stand up at 85% of my workday now at a stand-up desk. This this desk goes up up and down, the one that I'm sitting at. And so, you know, these are, these are changes, the lifestyle aspect. And it's so good that we're focusing in on this today because it's not talked about enough. You know, get more sleep, you know, do less, get more money, blah, 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 blah. We hear all this stuff all the time. Let's talk about the real deal stuff. I mean, this is life-changing stuff. It, it, it was major for me, major for me and my family and my family. Well, that's one of the really key things that I want to pick up on, actually, is this, <clears throat> excuse me, this idea that when you set up, if, you, if you're the type of person that is going to set up in business, or you're going to create a product, you've got this idea, you may be sat there working, you've got to make this decision to pull the trigger or not. By virtue of having that notion, you're already a certain type of person. And if you if you do make that jump, <clears throat> it becomes really clear that you most definitely are that type of person. So what what was your mentality? What, what got you to the point of burnout? What stopped you doing eight, 10 hour days and made you do the 15, 16 hour days? What were the things that compelled you to actually get to the burnout? You know, mate, growth, growth, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. You know, I'd started with the eight, nine, 10 hour days for a year and a half or so. And we saw that little initial growth spurt. We were, we actually almost went bankrupt after four months of being in business. We had like one 
payroll left in the bank. And we had to completely pivot in the way that we were pitching to our clients and bringing our clients on board. Um, and I'm so glad we made the pivot. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. So, you know, we, we went from almost being bankrupt four months after we launched to then a year and a half later, growing slowly but surely. And I got greedy, wanted more, wanted more. You know, it went from, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do 100K this month to wouldn't it be great if we could do half a million this quarter? You know what I mean? And then you start thinking. And yeah, before you know what's happening, it's like you're not happy making 700 grand in a year. Now you want to hit a million. You're not happy with a mil. Now you want to make a mil five. And it goes on and on and on like that. And you just, it's greed, man. It's its its Wall Street 101. You know what I mean? <laughs> greed is good, <laughs> you know, and, and it ain't good. I mean, yeah, it's good to be motivated, but, you know, working yourself into a, into a hospital bed for two weeks on antidepressants, that ain't good at all. So, yeah, I think it was just, I think, honestly, it was a combination of probably that greed, quite frankly, and then ego and kind of wanting to kind of boost both of those. Uh, and, and you know, that that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. You mentioned this, this whole idea of wanting more. And one of the big things that talking to the kind of tech startup scene a little bit more, <clears throat> one of the things that you find is that people really want growth. They want, if, especially if you've got investors. The monthly updates, the weekly updates that the investors want to see, if you've not achieved 100% growth or 120% growth in users, in, in whatever, in monthly revenue, in whatever that single KPI you need to measure is, you are you are liable for a complete rinsing. And when it comes to the next round that you need to raise, it's just, it becomes a nightmare and it becomes very easy to just want that. So both from a personal perspective, yes, revenue, yes, growth, but also from a listen, I'm going to create this tech product which may need some funding. And if I do that, like, oh my God, I just bring these other people that take what I've got, this kind of potential ticking time bomb, amplify it and force me into this growth. So even if I want to take the fourth of the pedal, I just can't yeah. do that. Yeah. And that's uh, but, you know, but that's one of my issues with the, with the tech startup world. Like one of my big issues is that I kind of, a, a lot of the time, I kind of feel like a lot of people get involved in that world, and you've been in that world way more than I have. But this is me kind of looking into it as a as a as a true blue bricks and mortar old school entrepreneur mindset. I look at the tech world, the startup world, and yes, I watch Silicon Valley and have a giggle and all that kind of stuff. But I, I look at that world and I think I almost feel like some, if not the majority, of those businesses are doing what they're doing just to raise the next round. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way, but that's the way I look at it. That's the way I look at it. It's not about consumers, actually. It's not about users. It's not about any of that. It's all about getting the next bit of VC. And that's the way I look at it anyway. Mate, I totally agree with that. And I sort of had a big discussion. So one of the co-hosts um, later on through the guide is, is Adam Farrow, who's my co-founder at PIP. And we, we, we had a massive discussion on this. And I'm talking... When I say discussion, I'm sort of saying like edging on argument. Where <laughs> love it. <laughs> They're the best kind of discussions, they are, because that's that's passion fueled right there. I love that. Exactly, exactly. And I was I was I'm the same as you. Like my background is bricks and mortar, you know, building the agency up. Everything that I've done has been for real people, handshaking, smiling into your eyes right. and all that sort of yeah. good stuff. Yeah. And when I went into this tech startup scene, I felt the same. I felt to myself, why am I, you know, I've had this idea for something and why 
why am I, why is this thing not making money? Like day one, this thing should be making money. Yes. And it's, it's not. All I'm doing is acquiring things that I can put on a slide deck to give to investors. And that freaked me right out. And like, I understand it. I understand this whole startup pitch for the next round. And, you know, it's all about the bigger sort of, um, the bigger picture. But there's something, I completely agree, there's something still within me that doesn't sit right. I'd rather do both. If the tech scene demands this, then fine. But actually, wouldn't it be great to turn up on an investor deck and say, oh, you know what? Okay, yes, we've got this user growth. But actually look at the bank statement, guys. This is what it's about. And I feel that that's a, a really bizarre thing. I, th I feel that the focus has been lost a little bit on that one. And sort of talking about startups, talking about creating things that people want, I want to kind of, again, rewind just a touch to Virtual Staff Finder because mm. you created that out of a demand, didn't you? There's a really good story around sort of the time that it took you to create that and how that came about. Uh, just tell that story. Let's just listen to that for a sec. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, I've been bricks and mortar all my life, right? But I do appreciate the value behind acting quickly, okay? And, and not necessarily an MVP type format, but, you know, just acting quickly and testing things and, and getting feedback and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, August 2010, I wrote a blog post. Uh, and in the blog post, I mentioned the four hour work week book, which was still quite hot at that point, even though it's, you know, a year and a half old or whatever at that point. Um, and we, the, 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 the premise of the article was that, you know, you could use virtual assistants to help you market your business, basically. Um, and one particular guy, and I never forget the bloke because he had the coolest avatar of Johnny Bravo uh, on, the, on the blog comment. He commented on the blog and he said, um, you know, I've tried to get a couple of VAs, it's been a complete disaster. If only I could find a place that could genuinely help me find good VAs that I trusted, like I'd, I'd pay for that in a heartbeat. And so, you know, the alarm bells, you know, the entrepreneurial alert went off in my head and I was like, I got to do something here based on the fact that I didn't know anybody else in my circles and my circles, even back in 2010, were quite wide. They were quite big. I didn't know anybody else that was doing anything on outsourcing or VAs or talking about it regularly like I was. And based on the fact that I'd already been in the outsourcing industry at that point for a good few years because of the call center and the BPO world, and the fact that I was here in the Philippines, which is a hotbed for virtual assistants, I figured, what the hell? So literally four weeks later, we launched virtualstarfinder.com. And uh, here we are six years later after that launch, and we've just eclipsed five thousand VAs hired through our service in six years. So, you know, we we bridged that gap, <laughs> you know, and we took care of that one. You know what I mean? Um, and and you know that that you know, like a lot of like a lot of great businesses. It was a combination of one serving the audience and, and or rather listening to the audience and serving the community. But also I wanted to kind of scratch my own itch with it as well, because, you know, we were still in very early stages of our big growth spurt. And we've had, you know, two or three good growth growth spurts as a company in our company history, uh, which is almost at 10 years now. And so, you know, kind of we're in this big growth spurt. It's like we better be recruiting the right people. We better be doing it for the right reasons in the right roles 
and paying the right amount of money and all this sort of stuff. And so it was kind of a combination of wanting to serve people that had genuine issues and obviously scratching my own itch and making sure that with the growth that was about to happen for us and we could smell it, we could feel it, we could taste it almost, that we wanted to make sure that we were going to be making all these hires in the right manner. And so the you know the virtual Starfinder process was born. We tweaked and we tweaked and we tweaked. But going back to what you just said a little while ago, Mark, where when you started things off and you were like, we should be making money like day one here. We should be making money instead of just putting stuff on a slide deck. Day one that we launched Virtual Starfinder, you know who signed up for his VA? Johnny Bravo, dude. So day one, we were already making money day one. So there you go. Do you know what? That's really, really, really good story, actually. One of the, 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 other, the other sessions in the guide is talking about validating your idea and you know going through mm-hmm. that whole customer research process. And I love that you took that. You, you actually... You did what a lot of people wouldn't do. You listened to something that could have just got lost in the noise yes. and sort of expanded yes. upon that, which I think is yes. really, really vital. Now, we're going to shift on to something else in a second. I want to just touch on a, a couple of different areas just uh, just as we move through this to help people decide whether this is for them. But guys, for you guys listening out there, I've put together some really cool partnerships that are going to help you move from idea to launch really, really quickly. So I'm just going to take a second to tell you about those. AWeber is an email service provider. We were founded in 1998 and we provide a full suite of web-based email marketing tools so that you can grow your list, you can create and send beautiful emails, and you can also set up email automation, different workflows uh, to automate emails being sent to your subscribers. And this is absolutely crucial for entrepreneurs when they're launching their product because you need to know your audience and they need to know you and start to build a relationship with you. So you can build up anticipation for your product launch. You can promote your product after it's launched and you can really continue to have the conversation with your subscribers in in a very personal place, which is their inbox. We typically do a 60-day trial, but for this podcast, we're going to be offering a 90-day free trial That's up to 500 subscribers. If you have 500 subscribers on your list and to get access to that, simply use the code XX, that's E-X-E-X, when you go to sign up for your AWeber account. And you can get all the details on this offer at excellence-expected.com slash AWeber. Listen, for any small business, cash flow is a big, big deal. Knowing what's coming in and what's going out, and more importantly, when, will of course help businesses like mine and like yours to survive. But beautiful accounting software from Xero can actually help your business to thrive. Xero helps small businesses like yours, like mine, to stay on top of their cash flow anytime, anywhere, and from any device. And with over 100,000 UK subscribers alone, it's clear that Xero is the UK's leading cloud accounting software. To try Xero for free for 30 days, head to excellence-expected.com forward slash Xero. That is X E. Jim Rohn once said that we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. And when you start your business, being around the right people can mean the difference between success and failure. The Ignite Accelerator program is a place to focus. It's a place to make lifelong friends and it's a place to create a network ranging from top investors to some of the world's most successful founders and entrepreneurs. How do I know? Because I spent 14 weeks of my own life going through the program and it changed me. It made me into a measurably better entrepreneur. 
So if you are ready to focus, if you are ready to take your passion and turn it into a real business, then you're ready to take action today and check out this free accelerator program. But hey, don't just take my word for it. Find out for yourself over at excellence-expected.com forward slash ignite. All right, and we're back. So listen up, Chris had created a virtual staff finder back in 2010 as a response to Johnny Bravo. The cool Mr. Johnny Bravo. I think I'm getting there with the hair, you know. His name, I've got. <laughs> at least she got the hair. His his name, actually, I remember the guy's name. It was Michael. And he had a, the, you know, the, the avatar, the little image next to his name for the comment was Johnny Bravo. And I used to watch that cartoon with my my eldest, who's now just turned 21. And I always remember, hey there, pretty mama, and all this kind of stuff. And when I saw that pop up, it instantly popped out to me. And I'm glad, you know, it's funny when you get those visual calls like that. And I read, you know, I read the blog and, or rather the comment. And like you said, before we went for that little break just then, we could have quite easily have glazed over that comment like so many content creators do. But the fact that we looked at it and we zoomed in on it, and yes, did I speak with other people to validate? Yeah, of course I spoke to other people about it, but I didn't wait months and months and months. You know what I mean? Like the first website was horrible for Virtual Starfinder. Um, and we're in the process of tweaking it again for about the third or fourth time since we launched it. So it just goes to show you, you just got to get out there, but don't rest on your laurels. Continue to keep tweaking and changing as well, you know? That's such a fantastic point. We we sort of through this series keep coming back to that point. It's around the first website's terrible. When I think back to my first website for anything, oh man, that was awful. And you know, the, the, I, I feel like now so many people look over the fence at what everyone else is doing, and they spend you know thinking back to this lifestyle sort of scenario. They'll spend those really important early days getting the website to look like someone else's or be quote unquote as good as someone else's. And I, I love the point of, look, let's just get it out there. Let's just see if people buy it. And if they do, version two is only around the corner. And so is version three. We can just keep doing this. I think that's so important to sort of focus in on. And speaking of focus, one of the things that I want to dig into a little bit is you're obviously running a really successful business, bricks and mortar. You're running the call center and scrolling through your blog posts, Johnny Bravo pops up. You have this idea and you build this thing out in four weeks. For a lot of people listening to this and going through this process of deciding whether the lifestyle's for them, they're either doing something else for themselves or they're looking to be sort of a sidepreneur and move into their own business or their own project alongside work, if you like. That poses a bit of a focus problem, doesn't it? So how did you guys focus on Virtual Staff Finder without taking your eye off the ball over here on the bricks and mortar? How, how was that process? Yeah, I mean, and it came at a time which was quite important um, as well to me. It was, it was bang smack in the middle of 2010, <clears throat> which was my, you know, the year where I focused in on basically removing myself from the bricks and mortar business. So I could have decided to put up my hand and say, no, I'm focusing on this. It was only seven months ago, eight months ago that I had this horrible burnout. I'm going to focus in on getting myself out of this business day to day. That's what my world. That's what my world is all about in 2010. But because that entrepreneurial spurt, you know, we got to move, we got to shake, we got to do the whole Del Boy thing, and you know, kind of really focus in on creating opportunities for ourselves at the same time, so we don't get bored as well. Um, I decide what I did is I actually got two members of my staff on the project. 
Um, and yeah, we did. I mean, we put the site together in probably less than a week once we got, you know, kind of content together and everything. Um, it was very bare bones. It's still pretty bare bones. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You either sign up or you don't, that kind of mentality, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we put it together and it was really just a focus from my perspective. What I wanted to focus in on was getting the marketing message, right? If I could get the, the verbiage and the wording correct on the homepage and on the order page, everything else in between didn't really matter, you know, going live with it straight out of the gate. Since then, we've tweeted a lot, obviously. But um, no, I mean, I just, <clears throat> my my end was the marketing uh, and, and helping with the process side of things. But here's the thing. It only took us probably 90 days to figure out that we'd probably bitten off more than we could chew. And I had to go hiring like four people because once word got out, particularly in the online world, um, with online entrepreneurs, once word, once word got out and we got a couple of early adopters come in as well um, from, you know, an influencer perspective, uh, Pat Flynn became a client. Um, uh, who else? There was two or three really, uh, Pat Flynn, David Risley, who's, who's still a very prominent blogger, um, and a few other people. Once they came on board and they were like, oh my God, my VA is awesome. This is where I got them. It all kind of blew up. So we had to, we had to move pretty quickly in regards to building out the team. But yeah, the focus for me was to get the marketing message right. Um, and it was actually probably the first business that I've started where, I knew going into it what my role was going to be and that I didn't want to touch any of the other roles. I didn't want to get involved with any of the other pieces of that puzzle. And I think really it was the burnout prior, six, seven, eight months you know, prior to that, that really taught me that I should be focusing on what I should be focusing in on. And here I am now six years later, and I'm still doing just that. I know what I should be doing, and I leave everything else to other people that work for me. Um, you know, some, some people might call that lazy. I call it being bloody smart. So there you go. <laughs> I agree. I'm all for the smart hours and I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of a, a big fan of that kind of attitude insofar as you, if you try and do everything, I, I, I believe, especially if you're a, a sidepreneur, you know, thinking about this lifestyle, it's very easy to just sit behind a desk and feel like you're doing the important stuff when actually all you're doing is smashing a keyboard just because, well, Apparently, that's what you're supposed to do to stay productive when you do a business. You know, that's a really difficult thing to get over. And what I love about what you just said is this idea that early on in virtual staff finders, you know, most literally conceptual days, you decided, here are the things that I want to do in this business. And here are the things that other people are either better than me or just are just better suited to this. Or frankly, I just don't want to get involved with, you know, these people can deal with this. And I think when you talk about lifestyle, when you think about people that really start to dislike their business, because let's be honest, we all we all do dislike being in business at times because it's bloody hard work. It really comes down to the fact that you've picked the wrong things to do and you're just not doing what makes you tick. And you mentioned something in there, the last sort of section around being bored. You know, you, you just come off the back of a burnout, but yeah, here you were creating this new product. Like on paper, that's mental. That's crazy. But actually, you get bored. Well, because, you know, and because we pulled the right triggers, you know what I mean? I think that was the other thing, or the right trigger. You know, we, we realized that there was a target market um, 
and you know to using to, to use the shoot analogy here we realized there was a target very clearly in front of us there was a gap in the market it was our job to bridge that gap um and uh we did it and 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 we you know we we went after that target and that target only and and i think it it worked because of that in fact actually the tagline for virtual starfinder when we first started was bridging the outsourcing gap that was the tagline come to think of it and so you know it just goes to show you that yeah you've got to get moving yes you've got to do it in the right way and all the rest of it i think also i think way too many particularly side hustlers sidepreneurs whatever you want to call them you know these you know, these types of entrepreneurs, these early bird entrepreneurs, the world needs them first and foremost, right? Because that's where all the great ideas come from. We all started our businesses, you know, on the back of a, a, a bar mat or, or a restaurant napkin or, you know, a back of a receipt in our car or whatever. That's where all the ideas come from, right? To, to, to begin with, we need sidepreneurs. We need side hustlers and, and, and wannapreneurs and solopreneurs, whatever label you want to give them. But I think the big issue here is that a lot of them try to cast too much of a wide net to begin with. And then they don't want to start cutting that net down because they don't want to lose opportunities. Whereas what they don't understand is if you have a smaller cast to begin with, you'd actually be able to corner a market a lot faster. And with that, obviously, comes more business in a shorter amount of time. So for me, I'm all about small, I'm all, I'm about small niches, small casting of nets, and just dominating within 12 to 18 months. That's, that's, that's what we did with Virtual Starfinder. That's what we did with Virtual Starfinder. We're going to say... This is what we do. We're going to do nothing but this. And um, even though I could have expanded into a number of different areas and worked on, you know, uh, multiple language virtual assistants or American-based VAs or Europe-based VAs, I've turned it all down because what we do is we do it better than anybody else. If you're an entrepreneur, you want a Filipino-based virtual assistant with a minimum of two years experienced doing whatever you're doing from a, from a marketing perspective we're the guys that you go to. And so that's why we've been able to grow our business so successfully because we haven't cast the, the big wide net. That's what I think anyway. I think that's so important from a, an early stage perspective as well. You've got to be really clear on what problem you're solving for people. Some of the cool stuff that that, that I love about when you talk, whenever we've met and, and you know I've seen you speak at events, it's, it's, it's sort of aligns with my own thought process around all we do is solve problems. And we've got to remember that through the entire journey and the early stages for me are some of the most important because if you are, if you've got this entrepreneurial drive, like you said, opportunity knocks, like the ideas aren't the difficult thing. And most people in my mind seem to fail really early because they don't focus. They just don't see, actually, I need to give this a little bit of time and I need to make sure that this is a viable business before moving on to the next thing that's caught my attention. You know, that shiny object syndrome is a nightmare, isn't it? Mm. The other thing is, I think that unfortunately, and this goes back to the sidepreneur mindset, a lot of the time there's not enough runway. You know what I mean? That that that's a problem. Whether it be time runway or whether it be financial runway or maybe a combination of the both, um, that's a problem. And I think that a lot of well, I don't think I know. I know because I've, I've coached enough people to know this. One or the other will kill an idea faster than it can take off. 
And and if you have both issues, then you know you're less likely to succeed. Now that's why it's not easy building a business, man. If it was, everybody would be doing it. You know, the, we'd have a world full of entrepreneurs and no employees. You know what I mean? Um, but but I think that's the issue right there, like the runway. You know, when I launched Youpreneur, and I don't want to I don't want to make this about me, but I always feel like the best case studies are your own, particularly when they're successful ones, right? So. When I launched Youpreneur, everybody said to me at the time, and even some of my closest friends said to me, you're insane. Like You're taking on another project. You're saying that this is going to be your, your next decade. Bah, 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 bah. I said, but you don't understand. Yes, I've got three other businesses, and I invest in another three, and I, you know, I, I advise another whole bunch on top of that. But you don't understand. I've got to the point now where I can do this. Like I have the time to work on this project because I've delegated everything else across all those other commitments. But more importantly, also, I have I have the financial runway. Like it could have been, and it hasn't, but it could have been a complete disaster for a year. And it could have taken me a year to figure out where I went wrong and what I've done and how I'm going to correct it before I started making any real money with it. But because I've... And, and, because I, I had the financial runway, I didn't worry so much about that. And we've been able to take things off a lot faster than maybe a lot of other, you know, membership slash kind of community-based online businesses have done in the past. I mean, how many communities have you seen, Mark, that launch with a great amount of fanfare or as much as one person can create? And then six months later, they die. They die. It's because they haven't got the marketing runway. They haven't got the financial runway, the time runway or whatever it is. People pull the plug. They pull it. Um, and I knew going into Youpreneur that that was not going to be the case. We might have got things wrong and we didn't get everything right. Don't get me wrong. But we might have got a whole bunch of stuff wrong. But I knew because I had the time and the financial runway that I needed to get things moving and, and get things going on all four cylinders, that ultimately the grand scheme of things, the grand plan would still be attained. And that's why, you know, we continue to work on it. But not everybody's got that luxury. And I and that that hurts me from an entrepreneurial perspective. Because going back to what I was saying before, we need these sidepreneurs. We need these side hustlers, these solopreneurs. We need them. The world needs them. And so consumers need them. Brands need them. And it just it rips my heart out when I see someone who's so passionate about what they're setting up disappear because they don't have whatever the runway is that they need. Yeah, I love that. Love that. And that's a really good way to segue into the last bit, actually. I just want to give one piece of advice to anyone that is thinking about setting up a business, creating the first product, setting up the first side hustle. What would you say to yourself, the version of you that was back in the day before you set up all the businesses with this real inclination to get things moving? What would you say to yourself back then when it comes to the lifestyle? How would you make this decision? What's that piece of advice? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that I've done is, or, or one of the things that I did in the first kind of four or five years of my kind of own entrepreneurial journey, and I'm coming up on 14 years now almost, um, I think one of the things that I, I did when I began, I was, I was worried what people were going to think of me. I was worried about upsetting people. Um, I was worried about not serving people in the right way if they spent money with me. Uh, I was worried about the things that I would say and my style of saying them, whether it was going to land in the wrong way or whether people were going to be kind of, you know, dig it. Uh, I, I, there was a lot of self-doubt 
a lot of self-doubt in in all those different things. And self-doubt, by the way, is totally normal for every entrepreneur on the planet. I still have it now today. But I think that it the difference is keeping that self-doubt at bay. Um, and my wife is brilliant at this. I mean, I'm blessed to have a very supportive spouse, but also she's my business partner as well. And she's darn smart. I mean, you've met her, you, you know what she's like. And she, whenever she sees me, very few and far between nowadays, because I'm a bit of a confident soul nowadays, but she, she used to see me dipping into that self-doubt mode. And she would be very, very quick to jump on me and say, stop it. Remember last year when we did X amount in profit? Remember two years ago when we went from 22 to 36% profit margin? Remember last year when we hired and then we promoted 34% of our workforce because of the great job that we had done managing them? So on and so on and so on and so on. So she would instantly erase the self-doubt and back it up with, a level of success story that she could kind of just bring into it. And women, for the most part, will remember everything. That's why you will never win an argument with a woman ever, right? So when she starts pulling out statistics and dates and everything, just if you're a dude, just sit down, let them go, right? So I think <laughs> what, what she did was she she allows me to, to, to forget that self-doubt. And so my advice to myself would be not to be, not to have that self-doubt because I think it's important from a character forming perspective. But I would say that be aware when that self-doubt comes your way and do your best to extinguish it as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, I love that. That's a journey I think that everyone goes on and the results out of the back of that journey are very unique to each individual. I think we've all sort of been through that. And uh, yeah, I'd I, I echo that. And I think the bit that I'd add to that is as well, make sure that you surround yourself with the right type of people because yep. this lifestyle is going to be tough. Like this lifestyle is going to consume you. When I started learning about web a long time ago, I locked myself in a room and came out the other side, a web developer, which freaked me right out and freaked everyone else out because they just thought I was getting drunk somewhere in a hovel and I wasn't. <laughs> and this is a really weird scenario because you do sort of you lose the wrong friends if that makes sense the people that don't get it won't stick around and you've got to be prepared to accept that so that'd be that'd be my key takeaway and 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 also and also go after and also go after expanding that network as well like it's one thing to say these are the friends that I'm going to lose and these are the friends that I've already got that that do get it and I'm going to hold on to them, but also expand that network as well. And this is where you and I very much see eye to eye. We put ourselves out there. We go to events. We join the right communities. We're active in those communities. That's the big thing right there and all that sort of stuff. Like expand that network. That in itself fuels lifestyle because you create the right kind of friendships they bring on board the right kind of opportunities. And at the same time, you repel away the people, the opportunities, uh, and, and, the, and the negative aspects of lifestyle that you don't want to attract. You repel those away exactly the same time. It's like a magnet almost. You know what I mean? It's that attract and repel thing. And, and be very like uber acutely aware when you're doing that because – it's a beautiful feeling when you know it's happening and you kind of give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back. I love that stuff. I love it. Do you know that? So that's kind of a self-awareness thing that as well. I think you, you become better at that, don't you? It's kind of a practice makes perfect thing with that. You understand what makes you tick and where you're getting the right sort of vibes from and what the connections are that 
are just going to be valuable, not only for you, but for the other person as well. I think that's a really important thing to, to understand as well. It's not just about coming in and taking. You've got to build the network that you want to build because you want to add value to that network as well. I think that's such a good thing about the Upreneur community and, you know, sort of the events that we attend. Everyone's there for the right reason, which is, you know, that you can't get better than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why I always encourage everyone, you know, yes, get into the forums. Yes, converse and, and ask for feedback. But here's the thing. If you ask for feedback, that's fine. But don't disappear out of the forums until you give another piece of feedback to somebody else that asks for it as well. Because that creates, that keeps the conversations going. That creates the community aspect. You can't be taking, 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 taking. You've got to give at exactly the same time. So yes, what's my landing page look like? Can everybody give me feedback? Brilliant. Now go back into a couple of the other forums and give two or three pieces of constructive criticism or feedback or resources or whatever to other people's questions as well. You've got to do that. If you do that, people recognize it. People recognize it. And they respect you and they appreciate you way more than somebody just asking for feedback all the time. Yeah, you've got to be present. Abby. And that, that goes for live events as well. You can't just sit there behind your computer or stuck on your phone and I don't get people that do that. I, that's a massive waste of time and money. People turn up to live events and then they're just messing around their iPads the whole time. I, I don't get it. <laughs> it is weird. You've paid, you've paid to is. be there. It's mad. It's mad. <laughs> it is madness. Well, listen, man, we're going to stick a pin in that right there. That has been a really, really great session. And, uh, you know, the lifestyle of an entrepreneur, lifestyle of anyone creating a product, whether it's a side hustle, is a very uni unique lifestyle it comes with its challenges and it comes with its rewards as well and it's it's not it's not for the faint-hearted is it that's 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 fair to say i guess nor is it for the lazy we all know it's a lot of work but obviously the the benefits far outweigh all the negatives if you do it right and you do it consistently that's the important thing absolutely okay before we wrap it sir where can people hook up with you on the old internets uh, on the internets themselves, and I always it always makes me smile when people say on the internets. Um, you know, I used to call Twitter the Twitter for six months when I started using it. I kid you not. I was like, I'm going to get on the Twitter. My mum still does it with Facebook. Does she call it the Facebook? Are you on the Facebook? <laughs> like, oh, mum. <laughs> but that might just be from where you guys, like where you're from. Yeah, it UK. really is. That's like, that might be an accent thing as well, you know. Are you on, you're on Facebook. You're on Facebook. I could, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, people can find me on Facebook, but I think my hub is probably a little bit better. So chrisducker.com. That's my blog, my podcast, everything else that I do is over there. Beautiful. So well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, mate. All right. That was Mr. Chris Ducker discussing actually what it's really like to live the life of an entrepreneur, because this is, let's be honest, one of the biggest decisions that you will make in your life to pursue your idea. Now, let's move on to session number two, where I actually dig into the art of the customer conversation. And you're about to learn what it takes to have the right kind of customer conversation, but more importantly, why these conversations are so important. And before you head over there to session number two, do, 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 please make sure you download the free resource that accompanies this session, session number one, from over at excellence-expected.com. There's an entire toolkit there waiting for you. I'm going to see you in session number two. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel.